1: These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> Today's episode of The Other Stories is Feral, written by T.M. Friedrich and narrated by Justin Fife.
0: Earl Davis was a simple man with simple tastes. He knew this because Darlene, his wife of 32 long years, reminded him whenever possible. Although intended as an insult, he was unfazed. The truth was, Earl knew it was his simplicity that made him a happy man, and that was just fine with him. Unlike Darlene, who seemed unable or unwilling to see any of the good that surrounded them, he was content with his life, quite confident that he had discovered the meaning of life in these Texas hills, onions. Earl stood in the dark on the farmhouse porch surveying his kingdom, taking in the night air and inhaling the rich smell of soil and greenery. The neat orderly rows of Texas sweets stretched into the distance, tender shoots reflecting in the moonlight in converging lines. There was something special about tending the land, and Earl couldn't imagine life without his hands in the cool, moist earth. His grandfather told him once, a man's land was a reflection of himself and he never questioned this it felt authentic sure it didn't look like much from the road nothing like those fancy farms down in the valley but to earl it was infinitely beautiful even if the acres of uninterrupted fields and brown scrub did lend a certain quiet desolation earl's onions thrived under his ever watchful and loving care he shared a strange connection with the plants they spoke to him and he listened. The land responded to his heartfelt dedication by earning him repeat first-place finishes at the annual Westover Onion Festival. Earl considered this a personal triumph and liked to think that Darlene was proud of him, even if she didn't say it. The screen door slammed, and Darlene plodded out, her fuzzy house slippers scraping against the wood planks, jolting Earl from his pleasant thoughts. Her dog followed behind, glaring at Earl. I figured you'd be out here staring at those damn plants. I mean, what is there to look at anyways? Nothing far as the eye can see, she said, shaking her head. If you had just listened to me and did cattle like I told you, we wouldn't be here, she gestured towards the house. Mitzi grumbled a low warning to some unseen intruder, most likely a deer. You know Hank's putting in a swimming pool this week, she continued. (laughs) That's what cattle get you, but what do I get?" Earl was considering her question when Mitzi erupted into an ear-splitting, furious bark and shot off the porch into the darkness. Grateful for the reprieve, he hopped down and followed the racket up through the north field towards the tree line, careful not to tread on any rows. Looking back, he supposed he should have walked faster than he did, but it had been a long day and Earl was tired. As he drew closer to the dog, Earl was struck by a thought. No, a message, a dreadful awareness that filled his consciousness. Something was in the woods, watching them, stalking them. Mitzi hugged the ground, vicious growls replaced by quiet whimpers. Earl wanted to scoop her up and run for the house, but he couldn't. Instead, he stood, frozen. A hulking black mass exploded from the underbrush, closing the distance between it and the cowering dog in seconds, towered over Mitzi, its form blotting out any sign of her. Earl's breath caught in his chest as the thing turned to face him, his wife's dog hanging from its mouth, a giant tusk locking the shrieking animal in place. The pitiful cries that pierced Earl's heart were silenced with a few shakes of the boar's massive head. The monster considered him for a moment, snorting and sniffing at the air, before trotting off and disappearing into the shadows. He heard shouting coming from the direction of the house and turned to see a hysterical Darlene running up the hill, arms waving madly, the sinking feeling in his stomach implying that things were fixing to get worse. And so it was that Earl found himself alone in the dark, creeping through the parts of his property he avoided during the day, searching for something he was afraid to find. The hogs had been a sore spot between the couple for some time. Darlene hated them and wanted them gone, going so far as to have giant steel traps erected, an unnecessary expense in Earl's opinion. Sure, they occasionally rooted up the fields and tended to trample things, but they seemed to prefer Dar's flowers over onions, so Earl chose to mind his business with the wild things. They seemed harmless enough, until Mitzi, that is. He felt a twinge of guilt thinking that perhaps he played a role in Mitzi's death by secretly freeing the animals when he could. Earl knew they didn't belong here, but the truth was, he just wasn't fond of killing. It was nearly midnight when Earl spotted a large group of hogs, called a sounder by the trap guy, at the far end of his property just past the field he leased to Bud Seaver for corn. He watched for a while, straining to see in the dark, searching for the boar. It was hard to tell, but it seemed that this was a group made up of mostly sows and babies, and some older juveniles, but no dog-eating ones. Still, if he brought a good-sized animal home, it would appease Dar's bloodlust and get her off his back for a while. She might even believe that it was the same hog. Yes, this was the chance to show his wife and everyone else that Earl Davis was not a man to be messed with. He was the kind of man who handled his own problems, a man who knew killing was just a part of life out here. A real man. Just thinking about it made him feel taller. He stood up, squared his shoulders, and fired a few shots at the biggest one he could find. Although he may or may not have closed his eyes at the last second. The blast triggered a hog explosion. The startled animal squealing and darting in every direction. Some of the smaller ones got trampled in the fray as they blindly ran for cover, taking down anything in their path. One slammed into Earl as it shot past, a heat-seeking pig missile knocking him off his feet and into the dirt. He stood up, checked to see if his arms and legs still work, then brushed himself off, feeling ashamed and a little foolish. He was debating heading home when he noticed the dark, shiny splotches of blood making a trail through the brush. He followed the glittering path along the creek and up the steep shale bank to a pit along the west ridge. He peered over the side, trying to get a glimpse of the animals. He knew they were down there. He heard their panic squeals but could only make out the shadowy figures in the pale light. The circular hole, roughly eleven onion rows in diameter, was lined by seven or eight feet of perfectly colored limestone and shale. An inky blackness covered the floor, making it appear bottomless. The animals were frantic and he could tell they were attacking each other by the sounds escaping the earthen maw. As Earl stared into the dark, a low buzzing sound filled his head, like static filled with a thousand tiny whispers. He remained motionless, holding his breath and straining to hear. The sounds grew louder, surrounding him, vibrating up through his feet. He put his ear to the cool earth and listened, and then he stood and headed back the way he came. Earl climbed the rickety porch steps just before dawn. He sat with his plants, happy for the company. The air was still and heavy, yet the onion fields were alive with movement. It wasn't long before he heard his wife knocking around in the kitchen. He tapped on the window and motioned for her to come outside, grinning in anticipation of this special day. "'Did you get it or not?' she said, glaring at him behind cross arms. "'Oh, I got it got a trapped, Earl replied, setting the rifle on the chair beside him. "Thought you might like to do the honors, you know, for Mitzi.'" That was all he had to say. Darlene grabbed some boots, threw a coat over a nightgown, and followed Earl to the ATV. They rode as far as the creek, covering the rocky terrain on foot. All the while, Dar yelling at him for this or that, Earl heard none of it. He focused solely on the whispers. The morning sun shone into the pit, revealing the cavern underneath. Smeared blood and gore covered the floor, with spray extending up the cord sides and dark stripes, droplets clinging to the sheared rock. Most of the hogs were dead, pieces of flesh strewn about the carcasses on the dirt floor. One bloody giant stood in the center of the opening, side ripped open, wide eyes fixed upon them. A low growl came from somewhere bouncing off the rocks in the underground tomb. Darlene stood facing the pit, her back to Earl as she motioned for the gun, wondering aloud what kind of man needs his wife to do his killing for him. He stood behind her for a moment, her laughter drowned out by the sea of tiny voices, and then he took the butt of the rifle and smashed his wife in the back of the head, sending her over the edge and into the earth. She tumbled down, slamming into the ground with a distinctive snapping sound that turned out to be her right femur. Earl stood on the surface, searching for the slightest movement, his wife's face down and motionless, arms and legs splayed at impossible angles. Within seconds, the hog was on top of her, the crazed animal latching onto her broken leg and dragging her several feet before flipping her onto her back, jagged white bone protruding from her thigh. The monster bit her again and again, teeth and tusks shaking and tearing flesh from her body in chunks. He stood stunned in silence as Darlene opened her eyes and looked directly at him, her face painted red, reminding him of the movies his brother used to make him watch that usually involved some dead thing come to life. She opened her mouth and let out a sound that was more of a gurgling yowl than a scream, arms flailing, clawing at the ground in an attempt to get away, but failing to grip the slippery surface. He closed his eyes, deep breathing in the night air and focusing on the chorus of voices in his mind. Energy moved through him, passing through every cell, peaceful and comforting, yet terrifying. The ground buzzed with excitement, his wife's horrific wail somehow muffled and absorbed by the soil. Heavy air pressed down from above, making it hard to stand, a growl rose from the depths, a guttural roar that shook the ground. The earth heaved and he fell to his knees, bracing himself against the loose dirt. Earl watched, with an odd combination of revulsion and wonderment, as Dar continued to struggle, blindly clawing at the hog. There was something else down there with them, something he couldn't quite make out moving closer Whatever it was, dragged the hog into the dark space along the edge of the cavern, still firmly attached to his wife's face. He leaned over, straining to catch a glimpse of the thing from the shadows, but all he could see was the lower half of his wife's legs, protruding from the black, flopping and kicking in protest, before disappearing into the cavern. The land exhaled, and all was silent. Earl sat in his favorite chair by the open window, enjoying the fresh air and a light breakfast of fried onions and eggs. He ate quickly, setting the dirty dishes on the side table, a messy habit that irked him if he was being truthful. Even still, he left half-empty cups of tea and dirty plates stacked in awkward piles around the house just because he could. He sat for a moment, admiring the new trophy case he built in anticipation of his most recent award. He cleaned up at Westover this year, fellow onioneers marveling at his oversized and astonishing delicate sweets. When asked to share his secret, he always responded that onions were ravenous eaters, and you had to feed them. It was time to check the traps, so Earl loaded up the truck. The hogs went into the compost heap most of the time, although he did donate a few to the food bank every year. And then there were those that he brought out to the pit and never ceased to amaze how the land absorbed anything he presented. Even a metal belt buckle once, when Earl was forced to put an end to his brother-in-law's intrusive questions. Vines and roots attached, forming a cocoon of sorts, then grew little tendrils that penetrated into the offering before pulling it into the dirt. He learned this when curiosity forced him to lower a ladder and descended into the hole. Finding thick pieces of his wife's hair, a bloody tusk, shards of bone, and a boot woven into the earthen walls, since turned into dust. He turned the key and headed up the dirt road, smiling to himself. Like his late wife used to say, a man has to accept that killing is just a part of life. It's not always easy to admit when you're wrong, but in this instance, he was. The first kill is the hardest, but After that, each one gets easier, until you find yourself almost enjoying it. Either way, his onions had gotten used to a particular diet of meat, and Earl was not about to disappoint.
1: I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. Barrel was written by T. M. Friedrich, narrated by Justin Fife, edited by Duncan Muggleton with music by Blair Moon and Tom Robson, and sound effects provided by Freesound.org. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. Quick thanks to our community managers Joshua Boucher and Jasmine Arch and Carolyn O'Brien for helping with our mission reading. And of course to Ben Errington for painting me like one of his French girls with his social media content brushes. T.M. Friedrich cannot be contacted through conventional methods. She is, in fact, from another dimension. A dimension where social media does not exist, everything is on fire, and the dogs are extra cute. Be patient with her as she figures out how this realm works, but do keep an eye out because she's writing like crazy. Keep up with her journey at www.SmartHorrorPublishing.com Justin Fife is a voice actor and podcaster. You can follow him on Twitter at, at @justinb5. The Other Stories is a production of the Story Studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means, share the hell out of it. So, until next time.